Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Good afternoon, Sean. From the study that you did, was there a proportion of the women who were in complete denial about the the pregnancy or were they just they knew they were pregnant but they were just concealing it from the outside world yes women did talk about being aware of their pregnancy they also did speak about an element of denial and in terms of dealing with the distressing news as they were not planning or expecting to be pregnant and this um psychological response uh, is one that I've described as an emotional focused coping response which is we may be aware of a fact but prefer to deal with it by denial and I suppose in healthcare we often come across that you know people may have symptoms whether it's a breast lump or or bleeding or symptoms that people choose to ignore you may be aware of the fact Uh, but choose to push it to the back of your mind. And that Mm. was something that women spoke about. They gave examples about, you know, they could push the thoughts of the baby moving, push it to the back of their mind and become busy with work. Um, But they they were all generally aware of the pregnancy. And one imagines, though, that as the pregnancy progressed, that became more difficult and more distressing for them. Yes, indeed. And um, I think what really struck me from having the um, opportunity to speak to women was uh, the degree of distress. Uh, You know, I practiced as a midwife for many years before moving into uh, education and um, I was really struck by the degree of distress and trauma. Women spoke about uh, being so distressed they may have, for some women, you know, at the extreme levels, um, you know, had thoughts of suicidal ideation, uh, they may have self-harmed. These were at the most uh, extreme and these were women who um, were likely to conceal to birth, uh, conceal up to birth uh, because they were describing um, how fearful they felt whether they were fearful of an individual uh, within their family, they were fearful of the response, they were fearful of how they could possibly cope. You know, they may not have been financially dependent or may not have housing. But that fear and that level of distress was something very new to me as a midwife that I was really struck uh, by how the fear was so um, overwhelming and so distressing for these women that I really thought... We need to do better in Ireland. We have to learn from the past. We have seen the mistakes of the past. Uh, Historians, you know, legal experts have well documented the human rights abuses uh, amongst women who have experienced concealed pregnancies in Ireland of the past. And I think it is time for us as a state uh, to respond better, you know. Mm. And I think, you know, we we need to um, examine the the complex nature uh, of this phenomenon. Uh, And and I know each individual case would have had its own individual factors did you did you see common factors there as to why they felt they had no option but to conceal the pregnancy um yes absolutely so there was key um attributes uh, of the phenomenon so one of them was this emotional coping response of um, avoidance so women you know keeping themselves busy pushing the thoughts from their mind the fear was a very common thread. 
uh, keeping, you know, a cover story. So not wanting to keep it to themselves while they got their head around it. And that mm. you can understand that too. Lots of us might um, have to deal with difficult situations in life and choose to come to terms with it ourselves before we share it with others. Um, but the degree of fear where women, uh, you know, experienced intense fear, they were likely to conceal for a longer duration. And, um, you know, I suppose if you look at sometimes media headlines, you know, there sometimes there can be such a case, extreme cases can be fodder for media outlets. Um, I, I have called previously for media guidelines in terms of reporting for newspapers, you know, that there should be a degree of sensitivity around reporting and discussing such cases similar to that which we have uh, in Ireland around reporting on suicide. Yeah. Uh, because there is most definitely um, what we found was that for women who concealed up to birth, um, there is a very close association with um, trauma, histories of abuse, sexual assault, and also actually domestic violence. And if we see, you know, you know the responses uh, in Ireland uh, around the development, around laws, around course of control, and our increasing knowledge around domestic violence in recent weeks, of, as we've seen yeah. uh, in the courts, we have seen actually interagency joined up thinking. And um, we have seen a lot of policy development in this area that has led to convictions and has led to, I would contend, greater care for women. I similarly advocate that we, um, you know, develop such an interagency and intersectoral task force or examination of concealed pregnancy so that, you know, the Irish state doesn't continue to perpetrate um you know, trauma on women who are perhaps uh, in vulnerable uh, situations. Yeah, because I imagine that the, the trauma they had after that experience is still there oh. and very vivid for them. Sean, you absolutely hit the nail on the head there. You know, women spoke about uh, concealed pregnancy leaving ripples that lasted a lifetime. You know, and even women who concealed for five or six months before they disclosed to family or healthcare professionals spoke about being pathologized. They spoke about being viewed as deviant, about maybe some of them may have received, you know, negative responses when they did come forward for maternity care, you know, about being scolded for not coming forward mm. earlier. But when I heard the women's experiences um, and the nature of, of, of what they were dealing with in their earlier, the adversity they'd experienced in their earlier uh, lives, it really did um, shed a great light really on, on, why they were, on why they were concealing and how difficult with the fear they were uh, going through, how difficult it was for them to seek help and to seek um, assistance. Mm -hmm. And perhaps in some cases they may have told one person and it may not have been the correct you know, it may not have been, you know, a supportive response they received. And so that may have led to, you know, greater concealment or hiding it for a longer duration of time. Yeah, because so I most, suppose that's what yeah. they anticipated is an unsupportive response and then they ended up getting it. You're, you're dead right. Absolutely. Yes, yes. Uh, now, so, the, 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 the interviews uh, were between 2014 and 2016. So obviously before the, the Eighth Amendment was repealed. But do you get the sense that really it wouldn't have been any different if it happened last week for some of these women? Yes, I, I, I do. I do think, um, you know, repealing the Eighth Amendment gives greater options to women. And that is to be welcome. 
However, I think uh, for women who have experienced sexual trauma and abuse in their um, earlier lives, that seeking help is a difficult experience. Uh, it may be something we understand the process of disclosure takes time. And that is something I really feel health and social care professionals have, have a, still there is a great lack of understanding of the phenomenon. You know, people don't, it, it's very much viewed from, you know, um, a mental health perspective and, um, there's just a lot of and I've seen that through talking you know uh, to healthcare professionals that there is still a lot of understanding uh, about it and that's why I think the women's voice is so important because they have they they are the ones that can ably describe what would have assisted them at the time and I think Mm -hmm. that's why so many of them came forward was that they were keen to to help others um, but they might have felt that they were not in a position to to seek any assistance. Such was the degree of the the trauma. Um, so I, you know, I think having information online. You know, they spoke about going online and not being able to access information. Um, in recent years, the crisis pregnancy uh, program have put up telephone helplines, which is certainly a wonderful move because I think there is that confidential piece there that women don't feel they have to visit a crisis pregnancy clinic or see a counsellor, that by lifting a phone, they can access support. Um, having, you know, signposting um, online is an inf- is important, but it, it does take time for women to, to come forward and dis- or for anyone for that matter to come forward who has experienced trauma in their earlier lives. There is a time frame involved and there is a great sensitivity yeah. required. So, Did any of them say um, that in retrospect, perhaps some people around them were aware that they were pregnant, but were also yes. turning a blind, blind eye to it? Yes. Yes. And that is absolutely documented extremely well in lots of historical and indeed statutory reports around others being aware. And, um, you know, they may have um, asked about it or they may not have asked about it and chose, you know, to deny it themselves within Mm. a family context. Um, You know, you may have had very negative reactions meted out to women by fathers or brothers or mothers, indeed, Um, you know, um, or, you know, saying, you, you couldn't be pregnant, could you? Perhaps instead of asking an open ended question and giving an opportunity for women to 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 disclose and giving them the time and the space, you know, I think that the requirement for trauma informed counselling is so, so necessary. Um, one that is is where therapists are are cognizant of of the time that it takes for um, for trauma to be revealed. So yes, certainly that is something that I came across in the interviews. Dr. Sylvia Murphy Tai is a midwifery lecturer at the University of Limerick. Sylvia, thank you very much. Thanks, Sean. Moncrief brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.